Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is produced on Gadigal land. Something happened at 50 where I cared so much less about what other people thought or trying to fit into a particular pigeonhole. I stopped doing that. And I think my responsibility is to just keep showing the women around me that we, we still got a lot more miles to go. You're listening to Short Black with me, Sandra Sully. Good women, great chat. It is my thrill today to welcome to Short Black, Faith Agugu. G'day, Faith. So nice to finally get you in the studio. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sandra. It's really lovely to be here. Now, you launched a community called Silver Sirens. Yes. Tell us about Silver Sirens and what prompted the community that you established. Yeah, so Silver Sirens, the name was really a play on Silver Fox. Because what I saw was that all the, all the narrative around men and aging was positive and with women, it was really negative. So I started Silver Sirens because as a psychotherapist in my practice, women were being referred to me that were really depressed around aging. And as a woman of African descent, that's kind of foreign to me. You know, um, the message that we get around aging is, is positive. The oldest person in the room is the most revered, most respected. You know, everybody wants that exalted position. And that just doesn't happen in Western no, society, does no. it? No, So just having these women come to me. So I started off with one woman who then referred another. So at one stage, I had eight to ten women in my practice, and all we were talking about was their process around ageing. You know, and I haven't done that for a while. I thought, God, this is actually a thing. Because I was, a, you know, I was a model. So I thought that the you know, negativity around ageing was because of models or the fashion industry, and I worked in the fashion industry for 30 years. So I thought it was just isolated to those two areas. So when I you know, got into practice and had these women, I realised that this is a broader phenomenon. I mean, you have the good fortune of being glamorous, gorgeous, ex-model. You know, you've, you bring confidence. I mean, it oozes from you, not in an uncomfortable way, but you've learned over the years that you're very comfortable in your own skin. Yes. But clearly you were confronted by women that were getting older, and correct me if I'm wrong, woke up and they're really uncomfortable in their own skin because of the way society's making them feel? Is that what you mean? Yes, 100%. You know, and what I do in my practice too, I try and unpack what beliefs are theirs and what beliefs have actually just absorbed from around them. And usually nine out of 10 of the beliefs are just things that they think they should feel uncomfortable about, not necessarily how they feel. Because most women, when we unpack it, they're actually okay with aging when they think about the advantages of aging, which is, I think, that lived experience, that confidence. There's something different, you know, I find anyways, as, as a 50-year-old woman, well, I'm 57, but, you know, something happened at 50 where I cared so much less about what other people thought or, or trying to fit into a particular pigeonhole. I stopped doing that. And that's what I see with a lot of women. Once they get past the, what they're supposed to feel, the terror of aging, the confidence and that sense of, you know, who am I? What do I want? That choices, 
that changes a lot. And I think most of the women then appreciate the advantages of aging. What are some of the common traps for women as they get older? Because we're all bombarded with the benefit of youth and how you're made to feel invisible. And when I say made to feel, is that true or is it just as a consequence of being more invisible? I think that's a really, really good question. And I think it's something that, you know, I think each woman needs to explore for herself in the sense that just because the focus is on youth, it doesn't mean that you know, if you're out of the spotlight, whatever that looks like, you know, out of the male gaze, whatever that looks like, I think it's up to us whether we see that as a bad thing or not. I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm quite happy that I'm not, you know, men are not um, wolf whistling at me walking down the street. I don't need it. I've had it, you know. So I think it's if we hang on to the that gives us esteem and that's important, then I think we might struggle. But if we just accept that with certain age, the focus shifts and it's okay that it's shifting to younger women. I don't think that's a problem. But I have so many girlfriends that do really <laughs> struggle with this. I don't think it's just because they feel old and they're struggling with that aging process. It's actually feeling irrelevant. Yeah. It's relevancy that is, in my understanding, the key where, you know, your voice is silenced, you're unseen, you're unheard. And then you don't feel relevant. Yeah. Is that a common refrain? Absolutely. You know, and I wrote a podcast around the relevance, you know, what does relevance mean? You know, and I do think society does impose a lot of that because women, you know, we don't see women on TV of certain age. We are seeing them so much more. But say 10 years ago, it's so rare to see women age gracefully, be allowed to age gracefully on TV. So when you feel like your voice is not heard, or not valued, it's common to then feel like, well, I'm not important, you know, and I think everyone wants to feel important. So I do think there's a, there's a certain amount of um, state of mind, and I think there's certain things about how we choose to look at that. I'm a big believer that, you know, if people do not invite you to the table, you make your own. And I think that's what movements like Silver Sirens are like, you know, and that's what they combat is, you see now there's so many amazing groups around Silver Sisterhoods where women are growing their hair grey and they're doing it with pride, you know. It's so beautiful. And I was just on my way here just reading the article with Sarah Jessica Parker where she's been ridiculed again for not trying to cover up her grey hair. And I think it's about what we do with that. You know, we can be imp- it can be imposed on us, but we don't have to acquiesce, you know. We can go, no, this is how we're going to do it. I do notice Naomi Watts is someone that's on this bandwagon about educating the broader community that menopause should be discussed. And really, that's the hurdle. That's the door we open when all of a sudden the world starts to change for us. Yeah. And I love the fact that she's been really vocal about that. Is that an area in society you don't think we discuss enough? We're not ready to have that discussion or are we? I think we're ready. You know, again, when I started Silver Sirens five years ago, hardly anyone was talking about it. But now there's so many forums for menopause. You know, there's amazing books. Ali Dado wrote Queen Menopause. She was one of the speakers in our last event. You know, there's women like her doing such amazing things around this space. It's such a natural stage in a woman's life. It just baffles me that it's something that should be taboo. You know, I just don't understand that. And I think as women, we can't be, we can't expect men to open those doors. We've got to kick those doors open, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we've got to say what needs to be said. Because when I went through menopause and I experienced what's known as medically induced menopause, because I had a hysterectomy. And because of that, I was told that, oh, we're leaving one ovaries in, so you're going to be fine. But literally weeks later, I went into menopause. 
Before that, I'd never had any discussion with any woman about menopause. So it was the first time that I was confronted with that. And I think it's such a shame that women are still going through that, that it's the most women, when they, when they actually experience this, when they realize, you know, or they start to explore it. So I would love to see the conversation becoming a lot more normalized, more mainstream. And I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of or to hide or to keep under the carpet. Well, that's one of the reasons why we want you to feature on Short Black is to elevate and amplify these conversations. But for the women that come into your clinic, can you share with us some of the tools that could help our listeners come to terms with their own ageing? How do you lift your confidence? How do you pick up your game? And, you know, a big part of it is also depression. Yeah. For a lot of women, you know, they're usually quite embarrassed to even have that conversation. So just even a space where they can just talk about it and really talk about their deepest, darkest fears around that, that's a really good first step, you know, just being heard and acknowledged. And then it's about, I think about looking about what does relevance mean for them and what's important now. Because when we think about every single age, you know, when I'm a, a toddler, you know, a teenager doesn't want to go back to being a toddler, you know, and someone in their 20s very rarely wants to go back to being a teenager. But yet when we hit 40, this, it seems like that's the cutoff point. And at that point, it's just all about reversing and not going forward. And I think if we kind of understand that this is a natural phase of life, certain things are going to change. There's a lot of it is about acceptance, but at the same time, there's accepting that there are going to be physical changes. And some of those physical changes, there's nothing we can do about them, but some we can actually help ourselves. So some of my clients have never exercised before. It may be, this is, might be a good time because I, I as an ex-model, it was only at 47 when my body started to change and I was going, what is this? That I realized that if I was going to stay healthy, I was going to have to introduce new things. So it's looking at that, what do I need to change in order for me to give myself the best possible exam advantage at health? Not at you looking younger, but at health. And everyone's going to be different. You know, some people never want to exercise and that's fine. And then it's about, you know, when we look at the depression, with a lot of women, the depression is just situational, which means it's not clinical. So some women will not need medication. With some women, they might. So let's look at all those practical things. What do you need? And then it's about what do you want for your future? For a lot of women, it's about, then it's about reinvention. Because what happens is a lot of people come to therapy because something's not working. And a lot of the time it's around the marriage as well. So they might have got to a stage in their marriage where both people have changed now. And quite often, it's not that it's a divorce that's necessary. Quite often, it's like it's just about both people talking about where do we want to go from now? And it's catching up with each other. Because you met in your 20s and 30s, your values might have been very different in your focus. So it's for both people to just clear, where are we now? What do I want for the future? Most women that come into me at that stage in midlife crisis, they think their marriage is over or their life is over. And it's not. And it's just about really having a new conversation and, you know, re-evaluating your values and where do you go from here? You had the good fortune of having a mother who largely reinvented herself yeah. in later life and you watched with awe and uh, admiration. Tell yeah. us about what sort of impact your mother's journey had oh, on you. look, amazing. My mother, you know, she was from a little village in Nigeria. She married my father who was this amazing um, diplomat, you know, and my father was super intelligent. He was the person that formed our state. So just like, the, you know, the governor or the person who created New South Wales, he created the state in Nigeria. So he was very high profile. My mother couldn't read or write. You know, she just, it was, they moved to the UK. She worked really hard. And then the relationship ended in her early 50s and she was left on her own. And what I saw is she worked really, really hard. And then she started to blossom when we didn't need her anymore. She started to blossom. She went and studied. 
So the first time she learned to read and write, she started traveling all around the world and she found a new relationship. And she really modeled for me what life could be like after 50. And she was so gracious and so happy and, you know, and so free. My mother's in her late 80s and I, she's, yeah, she's my, she's still my role model today. I absolutely adore her. I'm so glad to still have her. We know for a fact, I mean, I think it was 2017, the Bureau of Stats estimated between 2023 and 29, there'll be more people in a relationship living without children than families with kids. The emphasis for women, the style of living has morphed into brand new territory hasn't it, from what we grew up with, the expectations. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, we live in an age of society and there's a lot of misogyny and it's quite patriarchal, but it's also morphing and changing so dramatically it's almost so fast we can't keep up. Do you think that's exacerbating the problems for women in that the ground is shifting so rapidly that it's almost like quicksand? You're not certain of where your next steps are. It's all new New terrain. Yeah, and it is. And I think there's something about our generation where we've had to really rewrite the rule books in most, in every stage we've come to, you know. And I hear a lot of women now talking about, we definitely do not want to live in assisted living. We don't want to live in, you know, aged care facilities. What are we going to do now? What is the next stage? So a lot of the conversation I'm having with some women is, how can we be at the forefront of those changes, you know, and take a little bit of control of that? What does that look like? So the ideas about, and I hope I'm understanding your question right, but some of the conversations around the ideas of how do we form communities, you know, because there are a lot more women that are going to be on their own and men still, if they're partnered, men would usually die before the women. And there's a lot of women that are single and there's a lot of women that didn't have children. I'm a woman, I consider my child-free woman. So growing old is going to look very different for me because I don't have children and grandchildren. I have a stepdaughter, but like you, I don't have my own children. Do you get judged differently because you don't have children? Yeah. And what those who have children don't realise is that they also have people to help look after them and we don't have that. So when you talk about the roadmap ahead for women without children, we'll be more reliant on communities yeah. than others. I think so. And I think we have to be proactive in creating those communities. And something that I certainly feel really passionate about and I see that the work that I'm going to be doing with Silver Sirens moving forward I mean, I'm 57 now. Imagine in my 60s, that's where my focus is going to be. How do we create this community? Because there's going to be a whole band of us that are, you know, child-free that are not going to have the benefits, you know. And, And to answer your question around being judged, it was really interesting. I felt that I was in my 30s and 40s. I felt that I was judged, but also I felt that I was kind of locked out of the club. And I felt very isolated and very alone and and very less than, you know, of not joining that the motherhood club. But yeah, as I went into my late 40s and 50s, I felt the opposite. I felt this joy that I don't have that responsibility. Unburdened. Unburdened, (laughs) And I could make different choices. And I could also experience motherhood in very different ways. And therefore, my work around therapy feels very much like I have a number of mentoring groups that I have. And I feel that I can have the experience of motherhood without the burden. (laughs) And I really, really enjoy that. And how does that work? Well, I think, you know, with definitely with my work, there is that sense of your giving, you know, and I think the aspects of motherhood that I think I am drawn to is that you're giving and caring for others. I like that aspect of it. I don't particularly like my, most of my money going to someone else. I like, you know, I like to kind of keep that. I can make choices around travel. Yes. And I do mentor a number of women, you know, and all those women would be women that um, would be my children, my child, because I actually had one termination. And I always have this image of that 
girl and I always imagine it's a girl child and I always imagine what she would be like. So in my mentoring group, most of the, and I didn't do this consciously, but most of those women in my mentoring were around that age. And I kind of imagine that I'm able to give to them what I couldn't give to, you know, this person if they'd lived, you know? Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Do you believe society's moved to the point where women have a lot more freedom? Oh, 100%. In terms of whether they have children, can or can't. I mean, most people for me presumed I chose my career of having a family and it was never thus at all. It was life circumstances. I gather it was the same for you. 100%, you know, 100%, that's the case. You know, I, I always thought I was going to be a mother. I just took it for granted. And I always said to myself, when I get to 30, if I ever got pregnant, I would have that child. 31, I got pregnant to, in a relationship with us, a rebound, and it was a really unhealthy relationship. And I knew instantly that there was no way I could have this child. But I never knew for a moment that was going to be my last opportunity. But because of circumstance, it was. I would definitely not have chosen it. You know, I'm at peace with it now, but I wouldn't have chosen it. There's still a lot of misunderstanding, isn't there, about why some women don't have children, not necessarily by choice. Yeah. And, and if there's, even if they do choose not to, so what? I think there's a lot of reasons why a lot of women go, I don't know if I want to bring my child into this world. The level of confusion, you know, and I think that's okay because we're not a dying species. We're not going extinct any minute. So it's okay. <laughs> you know, it's okay if some of us choose not to. I think it's a good thing. To each their own. Yeah. For someone who's passionate about adoption and adoption awareness, I also feel like there are so many children yeah. who are unloved, oh. who need love, and there are so many people who want to give love in their own way, whether yeah. it's through adoption or foster care or, or other ways. I agree. And I think that just the adoption, I wish that, that we could make it easier, especially for older women, because I think there's a lot of people that are very capable. Once you turn 30 or 35, I think that door's closed. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's an area that could be changed. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What are you enjoying about getting older? Oh my God, there's so many things. Where to start? <laughs> <laughs> so the things that I'm, I'm adjusting to is around the change in the body. Let's talk about that first and I'll talk about the things I love. Being a person who's an ex-model, I've never had to think about my body. And now in the last two years, my body is changing ways. When people go, oh, what are you talking about? And I always go, it's relative. You know, it's always relative to what you are and what you're used to. And, you know, it's the first time they've had to deal with lumps and bumps and things not changing, <laughs> even if I do as much gym as possible. So I've let go of that. And I've really had to come to terms with things are probably going to stay soft and get softer from now on. <laughs> My girlfriends, we, we use the term lumpy. Yeah. They just get a bit lumpy. A bit lumpy. And, it just, and it's a stubborn lumpiness. Yeah, it's, look, you know, I've always just been able to go to the gym 
yeah, three times and, and everything's gone and now it's like the metabolism no. changes and I've really had to come to terms with that you know and I look at myself and go that you're 57 it's okay you know so those are the things that I'm navigating to be challenging but everything else I absolutely love about aging I mean for me I've never thought about graying or wrinkles as unattractive I actually find it super I do and people think there's something wrong or I'm making it up I find women with grey hair stunning and beautiful. Can I just stop you right there? Okay. You're going to say, no, that's not true. No, I'm (laughs) going to say, because our listeners can't necessarily see you, you are a strikingly beautiful black woman with grey braids, right? (laughs) Deliberately. Yeah, Because I can't go grey because it's so annoying. But, um, (laughs) you know, that saying black doesn't crack. You don't have wrinkles. So you don't deal with the ageing the way, yeah, you know, fair skin yeah. do. Yeah, and I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you for bringing that up because something that one of the challenges I had about, you know, spearheading silver sirens is that I know that 90% of the women in silver sirens are white women. I know their challenge is going to be different. And I often questioned, am I the right person to be heading this? Because I'm not going to experience what they experience around wrinkles, et cetera, you know? So I'm glad you said that. But at the same time, my reality is maybe that's why I find it attractive, you know, because it's not something that's challenging to me, but I genuinely find it attractive. Yeah, like I look at you and I just think it's beautiful, you know. I my lifelines. I love your lifelines. <laughs> the shows you've lived fully, the shows uh, you've yeah. laughed and cried, you know, you've lived life. I mean, one of the things, I, you know, with Silver Sirens, I do have a guiding principle. One of our guiding principles is that we have no opinion on a woman's decision to have cosmetic or medical procedure. And I think that's really important because the very first, well, the very first Silver Sirens, one of the women put her hands up and she went, I have Botox or I'm going to have thing. Can I be a Silver Siren? It's like, yeah, absolutely. It's no one's business what you choose, what you do and how you choose to age. And I think it's important for women to know that. But why did you reach that conclusion that that needed to be stated? Because women felt like unless they aged a particular way, they thought that silver sirens just stood for women who didn't want to do any procedure and age naturally. You know, and I think that that's, there's no one's, it's no one's decision or no one's, no one's business how a woman chooses to age. I think we're always being bombarded how we should do it, whatever, you know, whatever it is. Do you find it difficult then to, to marry what the cosmetic industry is doing and how women are now feeling? Look, I think that there's always going to be a place for the cosmetic industry. And I think that a lot of women are going to want to use those products. And I think, and I think it's, that's fine. The only thing I'm, I'm not a big fan of with the cosmetic industry is anything to do with anti-aging. And I think that that's starting to change. Any byline around anti-aging, I personally will not go near it. And I certainly want to approach them as sponsors for Silver Sirens. Because I think it's just internalising there's something wrong with ageing when it's not. So, you know, a lot of cosmetic companies are now using things like pro-aging or, or don't even use aging. Just say it's just good for your skin, good for mature skin. Do you know, but, I wouldn't have thought of it until you yeah. just told me yeah. that you're right. I see it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's just internalised, you know, it's so insidious, it's internalised. We don't even realise, you know, we're playing to it. And that's why I think it's important as women that we do not police each other. And I always say that because you know, it tends to not be men that police us, but we police each other. You know, because with the look and expressions, you shouldn't do that. And why are you wearing that? You know, all those sort of things. I think if we're not aware of it, we're even doing that, you know. I think the awareness is key. So just understanding that anti-aging part, just remove that. Are there some other obvious examples that we're missing that you see all the time that drive you mad? Um, I would say that's probably my main one. But I, and also just, just 
the fact that the what women do to each other around it. Mm. You know, I would really like that. And I always say that in civil society. I was open around that, you know. It is always disappointing to hear that the sisterhood isn't as thick and as strong as we'd like. I think it really is. Yeah. But we just have to remind each other, are we falling into those old yeah. traps where we're unconsciously bringing perhaps someone down or being judgmental? Yeah, yeah. I think it's unconscious and I think, you know, you're absolutely right. It's that we don't even realise we're doing it. It's been so internalised that we don't know. And that's why we're the ones. It starts with women. You know, it starts with us being aware. Because once you know now about the anti-aging, you're probably now going to be looking for it everywhere. Everywhere. And you're going to be watching your <laughs> language in as well, you know, because mm. we can't change anything we're not aware of. You know, it's in us unconscious. We don't know. We have to talk about it. That's why these conversations are so powerful. And that's how we change things. So I think for me, like I said, I, I have cosmetic companies approach us for sponsorship. They've got anti-aging. I'm sorry, I can't work with you. Do you tell them why? A hundred percent. I choose to be vocal because I think it's about awareness. I don't think they think about it and I don't think they're even thinking about it negative. And I think that's all about all of us evolving our language in. My girlfriends say to me they feel increasingly invisible. What advice do you give to them? So the invisibility one is a big one, you know, and it's such a big one in our, you know, for women our age. And I, look, I, I was interviewed for another, you know, thing and I remember just saying, that thing about invisible for, from who we have to look at, because that's, again, that's an internalised ageism and misogyny if we're feeling invisible. So we've got to look at whose gaze are we looking at. And I understand the invisibility around our work, and I know that's real for women in, in, in corporate when they're overlooked for you know, roles. I understand that. But, you know, that can still exist without us feeling invisible. So the feeling part is what we're responsible for. And how we respond to it. How we respond to it, you know. So it's kind of like, I feel invisible. Okay, then what do I do? So you kind of get the awareness and you push back. You push back and you call it out whenever you see it. That's really, really important. It's not just go quietly, speak up. <laughs> what frustrates you most every day in your everyday life? Because I see constantly how ageist we've become. You know, when I was a young woman growing up in this industry, it was all about the misogyny and the limited career opportunities for older women. And now it's, it's like, no, I've had the epiphany of reaching a certain age and realising so many doors do close for women. There is an invisibility to their existence that men just don't see. And men aren't considered at 50 that they're considered for promotional opportunities and women's runway is considered shut. How do we change that? Mm, that's a really, really big question, isn't it? And I think, you know, when I listen to your podcast and I listen to all the wonderful women that you interview, I feel like every, every one of those women are doing it in their own way, you know? So I, when I think about the bigger picture, I can get um, despondent and overwhelmed and, and feel like it can't be done. So I just bring it back to what can I do, you know? And I bring it back to the women in my community. What can I do to support them? And I think it's about living by example and in inspiring. And I think it's about bringing women doing amazing things that shows them that lived example, keep showing them that there are women our age doing amazing things and, and there's always going to be more. And every time we have an event, you know, there's usually 150 women in the, in the room. I get most of them will come to me and say, I've done something different because of what I've seen. And I think my responsibility is to just keep showing the women around me that we, we've still got a lot more miles to go. And we're not hanging our boots up. And there's anything that you've ever wanted to do apart from be a ballerina, you know, because <laughs> we want to be a ballerina, that's probably close. But most of the things that you want to do that you might have put on the back burner because of raising children and other communities, 
are now open to you. You can go back and revisit those. And they may not be exactly the same, but you may be able to do that. So don't let perceived limits yeah, stop you. Yeah, don't let that stop you, you know, and I think that's what that's across everything. But we are so conditioned, aren't we? We are, yeah, and we need to keep seeing examples of women that show us that that's not true. And I think that's what you do and that's what all those women that you interview keep doing in their way and that's what's inspiring. What I've always loved um, and what we've always tried to do at Short Black is unearth those stories that aren't the everyday necessarily celebrity stories but people like Naomi Watts are doing great work in elevating the conversations about menopause generalizing it normalizing it making it comfortable for men and women to talk about what I love that you're doing Faith is that you're reminding us all that we're all on this path together and it's how we forge our own path and what we choose to not let stop us so half the battle's in your head isn't it (laughs) is that why you're a psychotherapist (laughs) yes because that's exactly it half the battle if not even more than half the battle and we're the only ones that tell ourselves we can't do something you know Mm. no matter what society says I think you can always find someone who's proven that wrong look to that person and it is about mindset for most people it's about what they see around them that's why for me I have an advantage of seeing with my mother So, you know, despite my cultural belief, I actually had a living, walking role model in front of me, you know. So I say Mm. to women, find those role models because they're out there. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And look at them and just keep accentuating what they just keep looking at them and watch everything they do, listen to everything they do, consume everything they have, because they're the ones that are going to really pull you out, you know. But you didn't just wake up and decide silver sirens is what needed to be done. Obviously, you were drawn to it. Oh, yeah. But the GFC crushed your fashion business. Yeah. Tell us about that window of you reinventing yourself and how you were drawn to psychotherapy. Yeah, you know, so it's when you said that about the, you know, the GFC crushed my business, just I got a, I got like a physical response because that's still a very painful time in my life. It's not, it doesn't feel painful now, but it was then when I look back at that woman. Letting go of dreams. Yeah, that was huge, especially as a child-free woman. And I didn't think of myself child-free then. I found myself childless and the less was emphasized. And it's like, if I don't have, then I didn't have a relationship. So that relationship ended. So if I don't have a relationship and I don't have children, who am I as a woman? And now I've lost my business and I'm just about, I was losing my business. And, you know, so, so kind of holding on to that way longer than I should have was really, really tough. And I remember the last day closing down the business and putting everything away and going home. And I literally in that fetal position and I spiraled into depression. And honestly, if it wasn't for the love of friends and, you know, that support, who knows how long I would have been in that space, you know? But letting go of that dream and, and then think, go, like I had my own midlife crisis, you know, and that's really what it was like. I was like 46, 47. I just had a hysterectomy. It was like everything was taken away. You know, my, my womb was taken. Everything was taken away. Yeah, and then, and then menopause <laughs> is triggered. Yeah, it was tough, you know, and it really was just going, okay, what, what next, you know? And I thought because I had years and years, 14 years of running a business, that doors would open and they weren't, you know, they weren't opening. So I had to think about what next. And, and I had three criteria on the sort of business I wanted to go to next because fashion was all about fast pace and youth is, you know, it's all about being young. I wanted a, biz, um, a next career to be something I would get better at as I age. I wanted to be a role that I could sit down because fashion was always on your feet, <laughs> you know, and I wanted it to be well paid. So there were my three criteria. And, and Not bad. Quite smart, I think. Yeah, you know, and I think I could see myself as an 80-year-old in a rocking chair still seeing clients if I choose to. Mm-hmm. Where to for Silver Sirens from here? 
Oh, you know what? I would love Silver Sirens to be national and then global. So my vision before um, COVID was that we would start doing events in different states. Like now, at the moment, I have um, women come from all over Australia, which is fantastic. You know, all through Queensland, all the way up to far north Queensland, WA, South Australia, Melbourne, Brisbane. I would love to see that we can have events all over Australia so we can really build that community. Because a community, when you go to a Silver Sirens event, there's something very magical in a room full of women of the same age. And all of the focus is about us, you know, not just an afterthought or a little cherry on the but the whole day is all about us. It's so inspiring. Well, I love the fact that you're <laughs> celebrating ageing because it's rarely celebrated yeah. and you're forming a club and a community of like-minded individuals who want to stop feeling invisible and you empower them to be heard. Can you explain to me what is psychotherapy? <laughs> I love that. So people usually say, what's the difference between psychotherapy and psychology? Psychotherapies, we work with the um, underlying issue. Psychology tend to look at the presenting issue. So somebody might present with um, depression or anxiety, you know, and we look at, we don't treat what the anxiety, we treat what causes it. So there's always an underlying and most things will lead back to trauma. Or conditioning. Yeah, yeah, trauma, conditioning, childhood, usually childhood experiences, usually there's something about those formative years in the home and the relationship with the caregivers that really impacts most of us and it affects the way we see ourselves literally for the rest of our lives. Yeah, psychotherapy is an opportunity for people to unpack that and really kind of dis discard the things that are not helpful and reform new ways of looking at their lives and themselves. One thing you often mention, and I, and I love this, this African proverb, when an old person dies, a library dies with them. I know, isn't that beautiful? Yeah, and that for me, I mean, there's a segment in Silver Sirens called The Elders of Treasures. And we have that at the end of the day. And it's always my favorite part of the day. And we always have two women over 70 and they will talk about different topics. But I just love to mine their wisdom, you know, just sit at their feet and just, just sing, drink it all in. I love that. You celebrate everything they bring to the table. I really and, do. And I guess it's encouraging people to celebrate their own life. Yeah. Not just be grateful that they've made it this far, but to be reflective and realize that they've actually learned a lot. And they're becoming wise owls, even if they don't even know it, because we're all the product of our journey. Yeah, absolutely. And life teaches us. That's the whole thing. It teaches us so much, you know, and we can either just be in, uh, ignorant of it or be um, blind to it, but or, or we can just actually look, look at it and just uncover it all. Because that lovely saying about a life, I can't remember who said it, that unexamined life is a life not worth living. You know, for us to actually take time to examine our lives, and to see how far we've come and, and all the lives we've touched. I think that's so important. Yeah. If people want to get in touch with Silver Sirens, how do they? They just can just go onto our website with silversirens.org. Nowadays, you know, we, I do a lot of my therapy online. I see um, clients from all over the world. I've got clients in Budapest, America. I've got in, in Kenya, all over the world. So they can go to my thehealingprocess.com.au. That's my therapy practice or silver sirens if they want to look specifically around ageing. If you're treating people all over the world, are you finding anything peculiar in Australia as opposed to other nations? Is this something, you know, we do more poorly than anyone else? Or do we have a peculiarity that frustrates you? And be honest. Um, I don't know about frustrate. I think that um, in Australia, I've lived in Australia for 32 years, I think that we do not appreciate some of the advantages we have. 
And I think it's a shame because I think as a country, we really, we really are the lucky country. And someone who's lived in three different countries, I think that we have a lot to be grateful for. And I feel like sometimes we don't appreciate it enough. Faith Agugu, you are a, a champion of not only older women, but I think all women. I love the fact that you remind us we need to celebrate our journey and take a breath and remember, you know, it's ours to own and we should be proud of it. Whatever we've experienced, it's made us who we are. Thanks for all the work you do in celebrating we older chicks. <laughs> it's a club. Bring that it we, on. Yeah, bring it on indeed. Yeah. All right. Thanks again. And, and uh, thanks for spending some time with us here at Short Black. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me, Sandra. You have been listening to Short Black, a Network 10 podcast. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe in your favourite podcast app. Thanks for listening.